0: It's Hillary from Midriff. I want to welcome our newest podcast sponsor to the show, DistroKid. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all major streaming platforms, and artists get to keep 100 percent of their royalties, which is bonkers and amazing. Midriff listeners get 30% off at distrokid.com slash VIP slash midriff. Again, that's distrokid.com slash VIP slash midriff. Thanks so much. Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I'm your host, Hillary Jones. Well, it finally happened. Our band had our first band practice since March 2020, and it was really, really fun. Shocking, I know. Uh, Music is fun. I was honestly kind of nervous about it. Like I'd forgotten how to play with people after just like sitting in my basement basically for like a year and a half, but it came right back. It's just like riding a bike. Who knew? Uh, I played with these two for so long that it made it much easier than it might have been otherwise. So that was really nice as well. And, you know, brought my gear over there, messed around with my pedals, tried out my Fender Jazzmaster, my Lead 2. And I assumed that I would end up with the Jazzmaster for the band. I just... I don't know. I did. But it turned out that actually the lead two cut a little bit better for whatever is happening sonically in our space. And it's also lighter. So that doesn't hurt either. And I just I couldn't hear like the glassy nuances of the Jazzmaster or at least this particular Jazzmaster in that setting. So here we are. But we did write about... I don't know, five or seven or something new parts, and I'm real psyched about that. And hopefully next week, we'll try to put together a few new songs. So yeah, so that's my musical update for now. Things are moving right along, very exciting. All right, so let's talk about some of Midref's fabulous sponsors, shall we? All right, so first I want to talk about Earthquaker Devices. In Earthquakerland, they have been sharing a number of rad videos as per usual, including Aya Simone on harp, and you know how much I love harp. I'm just such a sucker for pedals on harp. It's good forever. And another video featuring uh, Sylvia Massey, Studio Go Boom, Julian Sapertini covers Japanese breakfast in the Earthquaker blog, and more. Also, I recently got a Time Shadows, and that thing is honestly basically like Suspiria in a box. It is wild. And I know you can't get one from them at this point. This feels like a moot point, but it felt important. <laughs> uh, I think the fact that they would make a pedal like that stands for itself. Really, just what can't they do? As usual, you can check out Earthquaker Devices and all of their other amazing handmade pedals. Uh, from Akron, Ohio at EarthquakerDevices.com. I also want to thank once again, Studio 121. Skylar can help you, that's right, you, with all of your audio needs at a super reasonable price with a quick turnaround. Editing, production, recording, jingles, podcast music, whatever you need, she can help you find it. She can help you do it. Find Studio 121 on Instagram at official Studio 121 these sponsors support the podcast, and I hope you support them too. You can find links in the show notes to sponsors and to the midriff Instagram, Facebook pages, website, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So today's guest is Tia Bailey, who is a rad musician, a music store employee, one half of working class music, along with her co-host Jason Mays. I happened to cross their YouTube page in my new Jazz Master Research Fury and could not have been happier than to have done so. You know, as a long time music store employee, she is highly knowledgeable about gear, which is on display in the channel's demos and reviews alongside her beautiful playing. For real, it's just amazing. If you haven't checked out working class music on YouTube, I implore you to do so immediately, stop everything else, go do that, come back. Their vibe is, it's just really chill and the editing is wild in a way that I find really hilarious and I very much appreciate. It is super fun. All right, so after our interviews, stick around for a bit about company support of Blackout Tuesday one year later, as well as current support for Pride Month. I'll dig into that a little bit. All right, with that, here is my interview with Tia. Hi, Tia, welcome to Midriff. Hey.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: So can, can you introduce yourself, your name, your pronouns, and a little bit about yourself and your background with music?
1: Yeah. Um, so my name is Tia. I'm one of the hosts of Working Class Music. My pronouns are she, her, they, them, whichever is easier for you. Personally, I've been playing guitar for around 13 or 14 years. I've been working in music retail for going on six years now. Kind of been in and out of trying to, you know, join and make bands. And that's pretty much the extent of uh, my music career.
0: That's extensive. That's, that's, uh, you know, 14 years, six in the biz. That's big deal. Yeah.
1: I I mean, honestly, time flies. It only feels like it's been like maybe three or four, but everything just Mm -hmm. happens so quickly, you know, life just keeps going.
0: It just doesn't stop. (laughs) So when, when you started, so you were, how old you were like?
1: Uh, I got my first guitar when I was about 13. Okay. So it's been off and on throughout, like, my high school years. I would say I didn't start taking it seriously until I was maybe, like, 21 or so. And Mm -hmm. I'm currently 27. So now it's, like, the time where I'm trying to, like, kind of get good, (laughs)
0: you know? Yeah. (laughs) What is – so if you're trying to get good, what is the – What is that process like? What's your practice or lessons or any of that? What does that look like for you right now?
1: Yeah. Um, So from the very beginning, I've been self-taught. So it's been a little bit of a struggle. Like I feel like if you have like um, like an instructor, if you're taking lessons, you have a bit more structure Uh, with Mm -hmm. me being self-taught. I feel like I'm all over the place. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, currently, um, just some, I guess, exercises I've been trying to go through is honestly listening to anything on the Top 40 radio station and trying mm. to figure it out on guitar, um, yeah. just kind of, like, by ear, ty- you know, like, ta- like learning a song and trying to take it apart. Um, mm. Outside of that, I've been practicing, like, chords, scales, modes, and just trying to get, like, really comfortable with every part of the neck rather than staying in just one specific box. Hmm. hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. I love that idea of just like, you know, you're just like, I'm just gonna, it's almost like a Russian roulette with guitar, sort of <laughs> like, I'm just gonna turn it on and see what happens. And I'm gonna dig in and see how it goes. And that's, that's fun. Yeah,
1: that's, that's <laughs> Is accurate. there? A,
0: do you have a particular, like, do you have a song that you've been really psyched about, like figuring out recently?
1: Oh, that's uh, pretty tough. Because I... I, I feel like I'm torn between like wanting to learn things that I really enjoyed when I was 13 versus like,
0: mm-hmm. I, I think we're all there. I don't think that ever ends.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like every musician is just mentally stuck at 13 when it comes to the uh-huh. music you want to learn and play. So I've been kind of going back in time, like learning, you know, like Weezer, Nirvana, Drain Day, mm-hmm. like American Idiot specifically. Uh-huh. Um, but then even on top of that, I've been listening on repeat, like Ariana Grande's new album. Um, mm. Same thing with uh, one of my favorite artists, Callie Uchis, Kind of like this R&B, kind of, um, I guess, almost Latin trap, which there aren't really, there's not a lot of space for a guitar. She does have uh-huh. a couple tracks that have like a, a very clean sounding guitar with a ton of reverb. So that's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So I guess those are really the the main two. <laughs>
0: That's kind of my favorite thing is finding something that like, oh, this doesn't have guitar at all, or like trying to figure out something that isn't guitar and making it guitar. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. Yeah, literally <laughs> just finding any little
1: space and trying to work your way in there.
0: Right, totally. So so as far as like, as you were learning, and obviously you, you're, you've been self-taught, but like, would you say that when you started to really get more serious about playing, was that about the time you started getting more into gear or have you kind of always been interested in that or?
1: So That it's been a little tricky because I would say for good portion of like I guess my years of playing guitar, I was always chasing gear. And Mm. now I feel like I'm a little older. I guess I'm a little wiser. And you know, I kind of know what I like and what I don't like. So as far as gear goes, I've really calmed down over the last couple of years. (laughs) You know, settled in. (laughs) Yeah, no, I used to just like trade out amps, pedals, guitars, everything like left and right. But honestly, Mm. like the last two and three years, I've had pretty much the same lineup and not much has changed because I'm really trying to focus mm-hmm. on my playing rather than owning something, you know, new and shiny.
0: Yes. That is a dangerous place to be. Wow. And I am yeah. there frequently. Oh <laughs> my God. yeah It's, it's
1: never, yeah. it's never ending. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and I feel like when I worked in a shop like that is actually, it's in some ways much harder because there's, you're just you can't get away from it. It's just in your face all the time. No, it's,
1: it's like being a kid in a candy store. <laughs> like you can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't tell yourself no. Like <laughs> at a certain point, it feels
0: the. As far as like your your first guitar, can you talk a little bit about what that was, oh. or like what your guitar progression has been? Yeah, perhaps or gear progression.
1: Uh, so my very very first guitar. Again, I was I was thirteen years old. It was a it was a gift from my great grandmother. She bought me. I don't know if you know what a Myers is. It's like a chain of grocery stores. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they used to sell like these. It it was almost like a guitar pack, you know, where it comes with a cheap guitar, a cheap amplifier and things like that. So the brand name was like Lion. I think it was like like an offshoot Mm -hmm. of like Washburn. Yeah. So my very first guitar was an electric, um, basically a Strat copy. So I, I played on that for like years and years and years until I turned 17 and I got my first job. And then from there, you know, started making my own money. And then I started to just, mm-hmm. you know, slowly upgrade from there. And mm-hmm. it's it's been never ending.
0: <laughs> yes. And now you're like, so you first of all, you want to explain to people what your channel is, yeah. um, your YouTube channel a little bit?
1: Yeah. Uh, so again, it's,
0: before, before it's, we start digging uh, deeply into your Jazz Master, because I feel like those are... That's how I learned about your jazz master affinity so. Really?
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, the channel is working class music. Again, I'm one of the hosts uh, along with Jason and essentially like we had been bouncing back and forth uh, the idea of starting like a gear review channel for a very very long time and then honestly like last year, you know, 2020 with everything that had kind of gone on I was furloughed for a bit and had a lot of downtime and I actually stumbled across uh get offset uh one of like Emily's videos I think it was Mm -hmm. her supersonic video and i you know I was talking to Jason and I was like hey have you seen like the new Squires that they're coming out with like they've got new supersonics and I was like I have an old supersonic from like 1996 ah. so I was like we should totally do a review like new and old because I I searched on YouTube and there were literally no videos of people comparing like the newer one to the you know, the one from the 90s. So I was like, uh, I think we might have something, you know, like between the two of us we're just gear nerds. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the conversations we had was just that there aren't many like people of color doing like guitar stuff. You know, it's mainly like microphones and interfaces and things that are more like rap and, you know, R&B, trap and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with those genres of music. I'm I'm a fan. It's just, I never see people of color playing guitar, really. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's a there's an opening. Uh, We want to do this. So why not? Totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so it seems like you have uh, obviously you're both very excited about gear as you've been like and and so much so that you were motivated to create the uh, YouTube channel. But like what exactly is exciting to you about gear? Like what is it that that makes that causes that spark, do you think? So
1: honestly, I think it's to a certain extent, like it's almost like chasing an idea. You know, because at the end of the day, a guitar is a tool and it's pretty interchangeable, but there are, you know, different body shapes and and different styles. And and it's almost like shopping for clothes in a sense, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's it's um, it's it's a great form of self-expression. You know, Mm -hmm. if you want something that no one else has or if you do like what that other person has and you want to be a part of that. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. what's part, like, I think that's what makes it so exciting. You know, it almost feels like you belong to like a certain group, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah. An identity thing
1: almost Close, to some yeah. degree. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, you it's could be, just... you know, classic, you know, like, I don't want to say like a blues lawyer who plays like a Les Paul. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but you did. Yeah. You, you could totally be that guy. There's, yeah. there's nothing yeah. wrong with being that person. Right. Like, or or you could try something a little bit you know a little bit different if you like to see that a little bit and you like offsets you know you can do that or even it doesn't have to be a huge company like Fender it could be a smaller mm. brand that you want to support because you like what they do you know you like what they're about and you like you know how it sounds and, and <laughs> just really what it is.
0: Well, it, it's interesting too, right? Because it's like, there's so many different parts of a instrument that you can connect with. We're oh, yeah. talking just about like guitar, for example. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's the sound part, there's the feel, mm-hmm. there's the look. Like, it's like all of those things kind of can, I think, draw you in or push you away. Definitely. Uh, and then also the like, the appearance thing, I guess also being tied into the affiliation with a particular other artist or something, mm-hmm. if that's the case. So it's, and I was thinking about this a little bit so I had come across your podcast when I was researching jazz masters mm-hmm. and ended up buying a Ventura <laughs> and it is fabulous. I love it so much. I feel like I'm a whole new person <laughs> and every guitar I want to be to be now a jazz master. Uh, <laughs> it's wild. I, I we talked about this. I was like I am 41 years old and I've only just now discovered jazz masters. <laughs> So thank you for that. Yeah. But yeah, so because on that, you're t- you're also t- reviewing the Jay Mascus model. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like the, oh, what is that? Uh, Troy Van Lewin? I don't
1: know how to pronounce it. I was just... I don't know how to pronounce it
0: either. <laughs> I just say the Troy. <laughs> the Troy, you know, the Troy model. <laughs> but it's interesting to think about too, like the ways that the role that signature models play in identity too. Mm-hmm. And like, like whether people are interested in being affiliated with that or yeah. not.
1: I don't know. Like, uh, I... <laughs> Not to go off on a tangent, but I, I think like one of the cool things about like a signature is like if you are a huge fan of a of a specific artist or a band, mm-hmm. and you want that guitar. That's also you know that's a that's a great thing. But even for people who aren't fans, like they're still great. Just kind of like a I don't want to say a one off because a lot of these artists have multiple <laughs> you know signature guitars. Yeah, but it is nice to have something a little bit different and but still a bit new, uh, unique. You know. Hmm. hmm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, would I not buy an instrument because it was a signature of a band that I didn't listen to as much? I don't know. And I like James Ascus and I like Troy, <laughs> 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 <is it>? Mr. <laughs> Troy, <laughs> Sir Troy. Uh, fine. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about. And also we've covered here a little bit about like who does or doesn't get a signature model.
1: Yeah. I mean, even that's pretty i don't want to say divisive but it's it's been pretty interesting like um i don't know if you've kept up with like uh fender like it like a lot of their new um signature guitars like the her strat mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. or even yep.
1: a tosh sultana like it's it's been pretty refreshing that they've got like some like m- you know more female you know inspired signature guitars it's a it's a bit refreshing and it's kind of about time you know
0: yeah yeah it's it's nice that they've gotten to that point where there's more attention to it mm-hmm. I guess they the and Fender in particular I feel like is doing a good job with that yeah.
1: just offering different yeah. you know shapes and colors and different styles and even to kind of you know come back around to what you're saying earlier like even if you're not a fan of that artist like I don't think it's wrong to buy their guitar or Mm -hmm. you know whatever their signature instrument is like um, about two years ago I bought like a a music man the Saint Vincent and Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be honest I'm not a huge fan of her music like there are a couple songs of hers that I really do enjoy but Mm -hmm. just honestly hand like that that guitar hands down was one of my favorite I've ever played and I I bought it for that not really because I'm a a fan of hers it's just it was a well-made guitar that was really comfortable and sounded fantastic so yeah. I think people should go in with the, the mindset of, you know, buying what they like instead of the name attached to it.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense just figuring out like, <laughs> unless the person's a total jerk, which is maybe a different conversation, yeah. but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting to think about the co- connection between identity and guitar mm-hmm. sort of generally, but as far as like your personal setup right now, mm-hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about that? We talked, so obviously you have that jazz master, yes. but you have other guitars <laughs> yes. as well. So uh, do you want to talk about those? Yeah,
1: sure. So I guess from the top down, I have a, an American professional jazz master with the all rosewood neck. Uh, it was a limited edition run, so they're kind of hard to come by now. There may still be a few new ones floating around. I also have an American Professional Stratocaster uh, with a maple neck. I guess I do have to clarify that these are from the American Pro 1 series, not from mm-hmm. the newer 2 models. I still have that Squire Supersonic, the 1996 the Vista series. I have mm-hmm. a Gibson SG Standard uh, that's not made an appearance on the videos just yet, uh, but... You know there may or may not be an epiphone versus gibson shootout video in the works you know to see if it's really Mm -hmm. worth it i've been Mm -hmm. really impressed by epiphone's new lineup (laughs) outside of that i've also got a fender mustang bass um it's actually Mm -hmm. speaking Mm of artists it's the i don't know how to pronounce his name and i'm really bad but Justin uh, meldell justin meldell yeah mendel Mendel? i think mendel it's the justin (laughs) mustang bass mr justin (laughs) <laughs> uh, and outside of that just a, a martin O 15 m acoustic no electronics just a no frills pretty great all-around acoustic guitar so pretty pretty small lineup compared to um, everyone else who's working on the show with me
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think that's that's pretty uh, pretty decent i feel like all of those instruments independently if that was your only instrument, you could be happy with it oh, yeah. for a long time. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I, I feel like I pretty yeah. much cover all ground. You know, I've got single single coils, the humbuckers. Mm-hmm. I've got a bass. I've got, you know, just one of everything. There's not really many duplicates in my yeah. lineup. Yeah.
0: So for your other gear, do you lean into particular amps or pedals when you're playing? I, I guess, so talking a little bit about like what you so, you're doing a lot of playing. Is it, are you recording or is it like personal writing or what's, what's the use case that you're using right now?
1: So, over the years, I've gone in and out of trying to, like I said earlier, join and start bands. And mm-hmm. honestly, within the last two years, I've kind of just given up on that search. And oh, <laughs> I was so sad. Yeah, just shed a single tear just for me. Oh, I. I've been playing around with kind of like recording my own stuff. I'm not super happy Mm -hmm. with anything that's been written because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm new to producing. So I'm Mm -hmm. new to mixing and mastering and making sure everything is just right. So everything is still very, very rough and in the works on, on that end. But I, I guess as far as like, just what I'm using everything for, I guess it's mainly just like the right now the videos we're just kind of cycling mm-hmm. through what we all as individuals own. And a lot of it seems to overlap with one another. So that's part of why we're kind of just doing these AB, you know, CD yeah, comparisons, yeah, totally. you know, Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, it, yeah, and I, I was saying that not because I'm assuming you're not playing, but because we had talked about it earlier mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about how you're not playing in advance. And I want to talk about that in a moment, yeah. but do you have like particular pedals that you like to use more than others or uh, yeah. uh, things so, that you are like staples on your board or anything? Yeah.
1: Um, so I guess also to backtrack a little bit. So my one and only amp that I have is an orange Rockover, uh, the 50 watt mm-hmm. combo. That has been like my baby because it's got great cleans and great dirties. I primarily play it clean, and mm-hmm. on my pedal board, I typically have delay and reverb. You know, like everyone else. Yeah. Um, I do like to play around with some other effects. I do have like a rainbow machine and like a Julia, uh, yeah. things like that. But for the most part, delay and reverb. Rather, the reverb is for my amp because that it's it's so rich and so lush. I don't really need the pedal. Mm. Uh, but yeah. I do have the Oceans 11, which is a lot of fun. Okay. It's got like the shimmer and like these reverse effects. As far as delays, I've been kind of adding to that slowly. I've got like a DD-8 and uh-huh. the Walrus Audio, the ARP-87. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's fun to kind of layer on two different delays and also maybe like loop one while you add something else on top. So yeah. That's yeah. pretty much where I, I'm most comfortable is pretty much like a very clean, clean sounding with just some delays, some reverb.
2: Yeah.
0: And that I think that was my other follow up question to that is like how much you're leaning into drive or not. Because it seems like when you're playing, a lot of it is like very beautiful, like kind of pretty playing. And like, yeah, so that does seem to lend itself to like the delay, the reverb, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's also something that we've also come to recently realize when we were going through, um, you know, some of our, our demos. Mm-hmm. We just recently recorded like a new episode. And when it came to like the drive, I had no idea what to do because I I don't (laughs) I don't ever practice with like overdrive or distortion. Like that's just Uh not really in my thought at like ever. (laughs) So Uh that's definitely something I need to work on. So we went through, um, I guess, little insider information. We went through like a couple baritone uh, guitars. And when it came to the dirt, I just gave it back to Jason because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so we had me go through the cleans and we had Jason go through the dirties. And I think that dynamic may work best for us.
0: That's a great, that's perfect. It's nice to have two people to be able to sort of like bounce back and forth with too.
1: Oh yeah. Like I definitely, yeah. I feel like we balance each other out uh, fairly well. So, so it's a good moment. Yeah.
0: I do feel, I feel like you have yeah, your vibe together, like you're able to sort of like fill in the gaps where the other person might whether it's like a musical thing or just like back and forth personality wise Mm -hmm. I think it's really nice yeah uh,
1: Yeah. we're very similar but also very very different so I I think it's honestly like the yin to my yang you know
0: yeah totally yeah you have a very good rapport and also then like I feel like the editing sort of uh the videos which I feel like (laughs) you can't not talk about oh my gosh Uh, it's so great it's, it's so great I'm like I just love it. Yeah. The editing of your videos is like so unique and interesting and I feel like it's hilarious (laughs) and (laughs) I just want to, I just, I want to live in that world where that editing is happening because it is fabulous.
1: So I, I cannot take credit for any of that. We do have, um, we do have an editor, and he's mm-hmm. a genius in his own right. So essentially, yeah, there there's four of us total, and obviously mm-hmm. there's Jason and I, kind of like the face, the you know the yeah. front of house, if you will. And then we, you know, have someone working, you know, the the audio side of things, so like miking up, mm-hmm. you know, us and the amplifiers, and then we also have obviously the visual, the editor, uh, mm-hmm. who is again a genius in his own right he doesn't really play so like he you know he's dabbled in music but he doesn't really consider himself a musician so Mm -hmm. he his mindset is always to get a great visual representation of what it is that we're saying or just to Mm -hmm. keep it visually you know stimulating and exciting for the people who may not know what we're talking about so I, i honestly all around it's it's just like a perfect team
0: It really is. It really is. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like, I feel like YouTube has like there's all this stuff about YouTube, like you got to make sure you cut every blah, 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 number of seconds and like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you do that. But it also seems like it's like done in a way that's not just like, whoop, I got to like zoom in for a second, zoom out for a second. But it's like actually making it interesting and artistic sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And like on on brand
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel like it definitely uh i think yeah. like the editing definitely sets us apart from some other channels you know like yeah. instead of just like all right you know here's the clean sound and then just you know four yeah. minutes of that and you're just like, all right, here's the source and then just another four minutes of that it's yeah. you know just all these cuts and all these like little clips and all these kind of inside jokes if you're watching for long enough uh-huh but it's it's definitely it's a good time and it just feels like you're joking around with friends <laughs> honestly mm-hmm. All right, going to take a quick break here to thank some more
0: amazing Bendrift sponsors who help support the podcast. First, we have DistroKid. If you are a musician and you want to get your music out there to more people, but you're not quite sure how, DistroKid can help you. They put your music in online stores, on streaming services such as iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, all all of your favorites. You get 100% of the income, so they don't take out any fees at all, which is amazing. And it allows you to do customized splits to different band members or musicians like per song in what they call teams. And that is obviously something that you probably will be needing in the future. If you have more than one project, you can sign up for that too. It's just a really great option to get your music out there without a label or perhaps with a label. And they'll add your lyrics to services for you. And you can even do like fancy global releases where everything gets released out into the world at the exact same time all around the globe, regardless of time zone. It's pretty neat. Just lots of like little nice details like that. You can use the link distrokid.com slash VIP midriff to get a 7% discount. And I'll include the link in the show notes for that as well. I also wanna mention my buddies Adam and Jen up at Stompbox Sonic in Boston. Stompbox Sonic provides musicians with an extensive tonal palette for auditory exploration. They specialize in effects pedals. They offer a curated collection of companies, large and small, some locally crafted, some assembled from around the world. Adam and Jen have been helping musicians and sound-based artists find their sound since 2009 by working collaboratively through one-on-one consultations. They do more than sell you a pedal. They ignite the creative spark to. Your music to life. They create a comfortable, judgment free environment for all musicians where sonic experimentation is encouraged. I am currently jamming on a new pedal that they did a great job, you know, just sort of pointing me in the right direction. And I know that they can help you too. If you're interested in a consultation or you just want to see their cool, unique selection, check them out on social media or at stompboxtonic.com. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. So, as far as like the name of the channel. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So honestly, it only came through us like sitting down for not even 10 or 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. We had already recorded most of the first, actually no, we got done recording the entirety of the first video that we'd worked on together. And -hmm. at the end of it, we were trying to think of a name and i i mentioned the name just what about like working class music because it's like you know we aren't dentists or doctors or lawyers or anything like that you know we're uh-huh. we're not going to be reviewing like gibson custom shop guitars or like a right. custom shop or really anything above more than like what rent would be <laughs> in a lot of uh-huh. places we just really wanted to have something that was like uh easily attainable for, for most people, like even, you right. know, for a lot of people like buying like a 1200 or 14 or $1,500 guitar, you know, that's uh, for most people, that's a one or two time purchase. You know? yep. So we wanted to make something that like pretty much anyone could just like, look at, have fun with, and like, at least come out of it on the other side, feeling like they learned something and hopefully mm-hmm. that they're entertained as well. I feel like we've kind of uh, gone away from it, but we are coming back to it where we're going to start going back to a more, I don't want to say cheaper, but I guess more, um, inexpensive gear is going to be yeah. a, a big focal point in the near future, uh, mm-hmm. where you're not having to drop more than a thousand dollars on a guitar amp and accessories, you know, we're yep. going to focus on like pretty much 800 and below pretty much coming up just seeing if it's worth it again like I said to buy a Squire versus a Fender or an Epiphone versus a Gibson or you know what kind of amp can you get for you know four or five hundred dollars
0: yeah I think recognizing the accessibility point of that is so important Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's there is so much potential classism within gear as well right like yeah it's hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little frustrating. That was um another point that came up when we talked about just like watching gear demos and she's like, okay, he's playing hypothetically a $700 guitar through a $3,000 amplifier. Like how, right. how reasonable is this? You know?
0: Right. It's interesting to think about that. And I think about that. I mean, I have like, personally, I have a number of guitars, but none of them are more than a thousand dollars. And I think about even just like showing things on like on Instagram or whatever, which is the place where I'm Posting things, and I, I, I don't want it to feel like people have to buy things all the time yeah. in order for things to be interesting. No. But also, like appreciating the fun of gear. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: No, it, yeah. It, it's definitely like a weird line that you kind of have to walk between, like, because you don't want to seem like you're just like flexing on people on Instagram, yeah, showing off because it is something that everybody. Or at least, you know, what you assume that most of the people who are following you enjoy. So it's one of those things mm-hmm. like, hey, we have this thing in common. You like this thing. I like this thing. Here's my thing. Yep. And you just want to show it off in, in that sense, but not in a sense of like, oh, guess how much this cost? Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yep. it's, it's a, it's a fine line. You have to try to, you know, at least attempt to walk. It's, it's uh-huh. very difficult.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, for
1: sure. You don't want to come across as like showy and flashy, but you do want to, you know, talk about it. <laughs>
0: Well, and it's interesting. it's it is it's like I feel like people get drawn in by their like by the squires and stuff like that because that's what more people are buying. But then there's also like, but here's the fun, sparkly thing that's really fancy. You know, like it's like both of those things are interesting. So it's like, how do you get at that? You know what I mean? I don't
1: know. like it's 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 really hard, yeah, it's, it to a certain extent kind of feels like a, what's it, what's the saying keeping up with the Joneses
2: you know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: like, Oh, I only have this squire and, you know, she's got this road worn telecaster and that costs so much more than mine. And and that should not be the focus, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. we all just want to have fun. Like at the end of the day, yeah. they're all essentially tools or the way I view it, toys,
2: mm-hmm,
1: you know, mm-hmm. in a sense, it's just something yeah. that you collect and you kind of talk about, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. It should be fun. If it's not fun, then there's a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so as far as like the the style of video, so you've been doing like a lot of like more standard demo type videos, some AB videos, and you've been doing some interviews too. Do you want to talk about kind of like deciding what types of videos to do, what that
1: process has been like? Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's honestly been a lot. Um, it's gotten to the point where we actually started to make a calendar as to mm-hmm uh what we're going to do and when because pretty much as soon as we finish one video we've got four more ideas yeah so it's been getting overwhelming and it's been getting a little confusing like all right what are we what are we doing this week <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> no, like, literally, Where am I? literally it's just like oh i brought the wrong guitar this week Oh. oh no oh. <laughs> So we finally just had to like sit down and just kind of like write everything out. And we've got everything set up on like a Google calendar. So we're all in the know as to to when, you know, we're doing what and how and Mm -hmm. what all, you know, who needs to bring what, what all is going to be involved. And honestly, it's just, it's never ending because gear is just never ending. You know, you can start with one or two guitars and by the end of it, you got 12 more ideas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, when you're dealing with four people, you know, you have to decide between everybody how that's going to work out.
1: Yeah.
0: It seems like a lot of coordination.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, we're all pretty much um, on the same page for the most part. Like between the four of us, um, we each kind of have our I don't want to say preferred style of music, but we're all incredibly, incredibly different. You know mm-hmm. like i would say that jason obviously bigger kind of like 90s you know like early 2000s alt rock you know i don't know what i am i just i'm all over the place
2: <laughs> Even.
0: i like that you I, I i like that you were talking about ariana grande but then i think in one of the interviews i was listening you were talking about how you're going to a lot of metal shows yeah. and i i appreciate that juxtaposition yeah. very much.
1: no i can literally go from like white chapel to like emu house <laughs> with nothing in between <laughs> perfect yeah I mean it keeps it interesting you know yeah
0: so you have how long have you been doing the channel for uh
1: not too long we recorded the first video I would say like late January and we didn't okay. start actually pub like posting videos until the beginning of February
0: got it so like not even six months no Wait. Like, yeah and then and how how frequent are you releasing at this point do you have like a regular schedule or are you just sort of like we are almost done with this one and we'll come out with it when it's ready.
1: So we, uh, we record weekly and so yeah. we try to publish weekly. Yeah, We also try to keep like a backlog of videos. So like even if we're posting once a week, uh, we still have three or four that are done. Yep. So we like to keep that that kind of flow and that kind of cycle going. Um, So that way, like there's still something for people to, you know, look forward to hopefully and check out whenever it does come out. So we've been trying to keep it weekly. We are also trying to incorporate more interviews. So that's also been a little bit of a struggle. Like, do we just do that as a weekly video or do we do like Mm. a gear video plus an interview in one week? Right. So these are, I mean, we're still a baby channel. So we're, these are things we're trying to figure out just kind of yes. as we go, but I, I feel like we've got a pretty okay grasp on things so far.
0: Nice. Yeah. It seems like it, I like the, the mixture of things that you have going on is is interesting. So I like it. Yeah.
1: We're just trying to cover yeah. pretty much all ground and, and kind of give a voice to the people who haven't really had a voice in the past, you know, mm-hmm. specifically with, you know, like, you know, people in the LGBTQ community, uh, people of mm-hmm. color and, you know, not to pull that card, but just kind of anyone who wasn't just like a cis white dude. You know, cause yeah. that's kind of what dominates the, the field. And there's, there's a lot more diversity than, than what's been seen over the last couple of decades. And, you know, that change has been coming and, and we want to be a part of it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so on that tip a little bit, talking about identities and talking about your experiences, as far as that's concerned, personally, mm-hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about that? What that's looked like for you with like identities,
1: gender gear, all of that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can. So, on a couple different fronts, like I mentioned in the in the interview with Carla, um, I stopped going to certain genres of music, like shows, like concerts and things like that because mm-hmm. I did feel uncomfortable. So, uh, I would say more so like a like a safety thing uh, rather than I feel like someone targeting me. um i'm I'm very small, I'm very short, I'm five foot two. Um, the last time I weighed myself, I think I was like 110. So I'm almost child size, and I'm not necessarily comfortable going to like these metal shows with these, yeah. you know, like six foot dudes who are more than double my body weight, and you know, they're just picking each other up and throwing each other around and things like that. Just like, oh, I'm, I'm good. Um, yeah, that, and I always kind of felt like the black sheep in a crowd too, <laughs> you know. At least being here in Atlanta, um, at least over the last couple of years, you know, before COVID happened, there was a lot more diversity in the shows that I'd been going to. And I'm, I've am i been really enjoying that. Like, I've, it's, it's, it's a bit refreshing to see kind of like more people like me or just people who look like my friends, you know, at these shows that you wouldn't have seen them in, you know, five, ten years ago. I guess on the other side of that, too when it has come to me trying to join bands or join groups, I feel like I've not been taken seriously. And I don't know if it's like a combination of like my race and my gender. Because like, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like uh, when I really try, I feel like I could be a solid guitarist, you know, like I, I show up on time, I learn my parts. So you know, <laughs> yeah. I feel like you can't really ask for much more. But then at the end of the day, like, it's happened a couple times where I've just been replaced by someone who kind of quote unquote looks the part, you know.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. If anybody's watched the videos, obviously you are a solid guitarist, so it's clearly not that. Yeah, that's that's a real bummer.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's just um, one of those things where people just kind of want to play it safe, you know? Because I mm-hmm. think especially when it comes to things like a band photo or like promo material, and you just kind of see this you know the the odd one out <laughs> which is mostly mostly me uh you know the same thing could be said for you know like just at, at my current job like working music retail um mm-hmm. you know like i do specifically work in like guitars and it's pretty much just me and like pretty much everyone else is just like a white guy um there's like, uh-huh. one other woman um she's not necessarily of color though so mm-hmm. yeah even in that front i was kind of like a unicorn <laughs> You know, like, no matter where I'm at or what I'm doing.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In the, like, music retail space, can you talk a little bit about your specific experiences there? So whether it's with, like, you know, like, customers or how, how this has shown up for you?
1: Yeah. Um. So I definitely, I've experienced it more than a handful of times where people just assume that I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, and I'm assuming mm-hmm. that's just based off of appearances. Um, again, it could be something uh, along racial lines or it could just be something uh, like they don't want things explained to them from a woman because for whatever reason, they don't trust what it is, I have to say. I actually had a, a call recently and it was very frustrating and I'm really thankful in the way that my manager handled it. Um, mm-hmm. I had this guy called, asked for someone in guitars. I answered, um, you know, this is T in guitars. And he said, uh, can I get a man in guitars? No. Yeah. So, you know, in this music store, I, I make the page. Can any male in guitars answer, you know, whatever, whatever line he was on? And so apparently one of my coworkers in the back was just like, oh, oh, I got it, I got it. And he like runs to the phone and he just hangs up. Didn't even answer <laughs> it. <laughs> and it. And Oh my gosh. I, I really wish I could say that was the only time that's happened. That's just the most recent um, time because it's definitely, it's happened several times. Um, occasionally it's happened to my face as well. Um, Just something as simple as like, if someone needs something from up high and a ladder is necessary, I've had people make comments saying, yeah, I can can, uh, can you get one of the guys to get a ladder? And it's just like, do you think I'm not capable of carrying and climbing a ladder? Like, it's not that difficult.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: If anything, I should be used to finding ladders and I'm highly capable of getting a ladder. Thank you very much. Right.
1: So it's it's just frustrating. Like like I said, I've I've been there nearly six years. So I've got nearly six years of just stories of customers just literally they'll ask me a question, I'll give them an answer, and then they'll ask a male coworker and they'll give them the exact same answer and they'll say, Oh, that's what she said. I'm just like, why why didn't you believe her? Uh huh. It's just silence.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's super frustrating that that is like the consistent experience. Is there is there a time like have you ever noticed uh, a customer like make that like shift in their brain like watch them like they're like oh like they, they you do know what you're talking about have you yeah. had that experience before Oh, definitely.
1: Um, honestly, I would say it happens nearly maybe thirty seconds to a minute into a conversation when they realize that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, because I'm going through the specs and I sound incredibly confident because I am confident with my answer right like I've <laughs> been doing this for years I've been playing for years I'm comfortable I'm, I know what this is I know what this does so it's kind of funny because you can see the gears turning slowly in their head as they're like oh oh okay yeah all right
0: <laughs> I guess we can have this conversation
1: Yeah, no she gets it yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: as a as a customer yourself mm-hmm. have you had any like particularly good or bad experiences
1: yeah um i've had i would say more bad than good there is a local music shop that i went to a couple years back um it was just like a small mom and pop shop and mm-hmm. i remember on the wall i really wish i remember the exact like make and model i remember it was a fender telecaster it was like some type of thin line it was japanese and had like this mirror pit guard it was mm-hmm. all black with like uh, I want to say white binding and it was like maybe like a little like a little bit over a thousand dollars I, I want to say it was like mm-hmm. eleven $1, hundred dollars and again it was made in Japan and it looked fantastic so I grabbed it off the wall and I was looking for a cable I like just of like looked it up and down and the owner of the shop he walked up to me and he asked if I was doing okay and I said yeah I asked him you know I was like I have a couple questions about this telly like can I try it out And he looked me up and down and he said, no. And he said, yeah, he said, I don't think you can afford this. I think you should leave.
2: Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So
1: I just, yeah, I left. And obviously I was, I was very upset because even at that time I'd still been working at my job and I'm used to handling, you know, guitars that are you know, like two, three, four thousand dollars. So like yeah. a little bit over a thousand, like that is a good amount of money, but it's not like all the money in the world, you know. Like if I wanted to like buy it, I could have made a trade and just taken it home, you know? Totally. Put it on layaway. Like
0: was, like there's so many
1: Yeah, like there are options and like anything, yeah. Like at least in the past when I was kind of going through gear a lot more, like I would save up enough money to where I could just get what I wanted just flat out. But yeah. it's just like it wasn't an issue with the money. Like I had the means to get it, it right. which just frustrating right. um but i also learned that that same music shop had had similar issues in the past um because again it's a mom and pop shop so i think the, the mother tend to uh, drive away a lot of customers uh, apparently she was not very nice and they um had some racial biases you know this is this is the american south so
0: yeah i feel like uh i had this conversation recently with somebody about the like the assumptions of of your of one's ability to buy something and what that looks like and how alienating that can be to have somebody be like no you can't even try it yeah
1: (laughs) like Like, this man knows nothing about me like he doesn't know what I do where I work he doesn't know how long I've been playing he doesn't he doesn't know what I know he's just literally just he looked at me and made an assumption
0: right so when you're dealing with customers, what approaches do you use that you would hope that other uh, <laughs> other people in the business would would use? So, as a salesperson, first
1: and foremost, I treat every person as a person, and I know that that sounds simple and silly, but like I've I've noticed between like coworkers or even myself as a customer going to other shops where people are treating people as if they're just money. Or they're just treating this person as if they're a sale. And I don't mm-hmm. like that approach. I don't like to be talked to that, that way. So I don't like to talk to people that way. So I, I like to approach people again as as people. And I like to see what it is that they're looking for. Um, obviously I like to keep them within their budget. And I honestly just kind of like ask some questions, you know, like I've also noticed a lot where, and I'm I'm thinking of a very specific coworker of mine who I've watched him sell things and I've watched him not ask them a single thing. Mm
2: -hmm. Like
1: he didn't even ask if they liked Mm -hmm. it. He just told Mm -hmm. them what to buy. And I don't, I don't like that approach. Like I, I always live of the mentality. It's, it's, it's not my money. It's their money. It's your money. You should get what feels best for you. Not what I'm telling you to get. So really, I, I think humanizing people could be a really, really good change. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm I'm just one person. (laughs)
0: I would like to think that other people would take that approach as well. But uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's so wild. Like I, when I was working and I, this is a long time ago, but I was working in, uh, in retail as well for a minute. And I had a coworker who was like kind of in that same zone where it was like, if, if a kid came in with their mom and like the kid picked up a guitar, like they would focus on selling them that particular guitar as opposed to being like, what kind of music do you like? Or like, what are you looking to do
1: with this? You know, like they're just not letting them explore or try anything. It's just like, Oh, that's the one. Yeah. No, that's one. You've chosen it. It's yours forever.
0: It's so bizarre. I don't understand why why it, it doesn't make a sense and it doesn't it doesn't make somebody want to come back because they're going to end up unhappy with it if it's not something that's actually like what they're looking for because they don't know well, how to find it yet yeah no, I mean
1: it's it's just like anything else it's like you know trying on shoes like you don't buy soccer cleats to walk on a runway you know and you're not gonna wear heels right. to like play basketball like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta explore a little bit totally
0: yeah 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 The I'm wondering what like so you're kind of in these two major spaces of like the music retail world and then like the world of YouTube.
1: Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how those are similar or different for you? Yeah. Um, So honestly, when we are making the videos, it almost feels like I'm at work just kind of explaining (laughs) like the specs and what makes this different Uh and what makes, you know, like what I like about this personally and, you know, just how it sounds and what genres it may work best for. Mm -hmm. Honestly, there is a lot of overlap. Obviously, the biggest difference is it's not necessarily a conversation. (laughs) So honestly, it just kind of feels like when we make the videos, it just kind of feels like my job, but condensed. So it's just me running through the specs. And then for the occasional like new player who doesn't play, I may just pick it up and strum a few chords. Mm -hmm. So it's literally kind of that same thing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just, you know, in the format of a video.
0: But uh, as far as like, it's, I wonder, I guess it's kind of like you're talking to a customer versus a YouTube viewer. It's like, how do you, how does one treat those two things different? Or are they the same?
1: So I, I would say like with the videos, at least it is something that are, we are attempting to obviously reach a wider range of people. I feel like things are left a bit more open-ended and I don't want to say like up to interpretation, but like it's, it's a lot easier with a video because you can always, you know, click forward, pause, rewind, go back and and things like that versus like face to face for this person can actually ask you questions. But Again, it's not that different with YouTube. People can just leave a comment saying like, hey, what what amp was that? Or, you know, what, yes. what, what settings do you use? Or what kind of microphone is that? So, I mean, there's still a lot of overlap, but things are very different in the space of YouTube, you know, just literally talking to a camera <laughs> rather than talking yeah. to a person. But I feel like with uh, with Jason and the whole whole team, it just, I feel like it balances out because like, it's mm-hmm. literally like, I'm just going to talk to my friends rather than than talking to a customer.
0: Right. I don't have to be super, yeah.
1: super professional, you know?
0: Yeah. It's interesting because it does feel like there's, you're having it. It's like somebody's watching you have a conversation with a buddy about like, about a piece of gear, which I think is something that people, right? No, definitely.
1: Like um, it's, I I, I feel like it's um almost, I don't want to say like filling a void, but like there are a lot of people out there who like really enjoy like, you know, playing guitar and making music and, and looking at these, you know, like videos and things like that, but they may not have someone face to face in their life that they can talk to about these things. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in a way it could maybe full void for someone who is living in the middle of like Tennessee or like Oklahoma or something like that, where they may not have like a big, you know, music retail in a space where they can go out and try out a dozen different guitars.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt mm-hmm. you. Uh, but I think that the thing, too, is that like if one thing that comes up a lot on the podcast is that so many people are opting to buy things online instead of going into stores as a result of their experience in stores. Yeah. And so I feel like you're getting it's almost like you get to have this sort of like virtual conversation with somebody at the like desk, like <laughs> talking about a piece of gear like yeah. you would at a store yeah. by by being a part of that.
1: No, that yeah. that makes complete sense. I, I never thought about it, about it like that, but that that makes complete sense. Because it's almost like you're yeah. getting that. It's not obviously it's not a face to face interaction, but it is almost like you get to have that conversation and to get mm-hmm. this person's opinion on that specific thing that you're thinking about buying. Mm-hmm. That's also been I don't know pretty refreshing. Like even you yourself said, you bought the the Ventura after watching the yes, video. I did.
0: And, oh, that, that makes me <laughs>
1: feel good. That makes me feel like I did a good job. <laughs> you did because
0: I love it so much. Awesome. Uh, I'm never going to stop being excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess we're kind of. Getting towards the end here a little bit. So have you all had to deal too much with trolls or comments like that? Like on YouTube? Has
1: that been a thing that's been an issue for you yet? Or um, so I am gonna be honest with you. I think I'm the worst person to ask. Uh, <laughs> I don't read the comments. I don't. That's probably great. Yeah. yeah. No, I um so I'm obviously like one of the two faces of the channel, more or less, but I am a very private person like even my instagram page is set to private so i can kind of vet mm. who i allow to follow me and who, I, yep. obviously who i choose to follow in return i have just had um some not so great interactions online and even in person of uh people finding out where i work and coming to my job and and being kind of creepy um mm. so i i i don't read the comments i Okay. So let me put it like this. So I'll, I, if you are answering an email or like Uh a DM or something, it's more than likely me if it's going like to the Instagram or anything like that. But as far as like the actual channel, I don't really read comments pretty much a couple of days after a video is posted. I'll just kind of see the like to dislike ratio, but I don't read comments and that's kind of for my sanity. But as far as I'm aware, at least what I've been told, like from Jason and, and people is that it's been really positive. I don't think that we've had really any trolls or really any negativity. We do have a theory. We think that there's one specific person who does not like our channel and has been downloading every video because it's consistently just one downvote. Weird. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a fan, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That counts. Yeah, it's a follower. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I think about this a lot. Cause I, I am terrified of YouTube. I'm terrified. I, I, and i frequently I'm like god I should probably do a YouTube channel at some point and every time I'm like I don't know if I can deal with the comments I mean I don't have beautiful editing skills or anything either but like the the I think the comments in particular are just like it's a it's a wild world there
1: yeah like um yeah I, I think uh I think my mentality of the comments is shaped by like 2007 YouTube because it's like how long <laughs> I've been on the site <laughs> you know just like watching any and everything. So I think that's part of why I just don't even look at them is because I'm Mm -hmm. used to just seeing arguments and negativity and and goals and just, you know, generally just people being nasty. Um, But at least from what I've heard from everyone else, at least on our page so far, it's been really positive. We are kind of expecting something or some people to eventually... You know, just the bigger it gets and the more eyes that are on us, we're bound to attract a couple people who aren't loving what we do. Yeah. Um, so through that, I mean, we've all got pretty thick skin. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I say I I say you should go for it. I mean, everything <laughs> you I mean, everything's changing and you know, there seems to be a, a pretty solid, you know, guitar community. So yeah. I feel like uh if you did decide to make that uh that transition, that if you wanted to take that jump, you know, I'm pretty sure you've got a, a, a A supportive community.
0: Uh, I appreciate your support. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a funny space. So as far as like, like if you were talking to people in the industry sort of broadly, right. So it could be like uh, other folks in retail, other folks on, you know, doing like demos or gear channels or companies, I think who are like, uh marketing like what would you recommend that they do to create like shift the culture around gear
1: so that's um that's kind of hard because at least from what i've noticed um mm-hmm. at least like um just some, some things that i've noticed on like so two companies come to mind so fender and guitar Center. so mm-hmm. i guess i'm old school because i've been shopping there since i was like 12 Or Mm thirteen, but if you still got those like guitar center catalogs, um, something that I've noticed is that like if you flip through, a lot of the pages have female players, and they've also got obviously like more more people of color, and the same thing has been happening with Fender. I've noticed too, like with their marketing and like you know their ads on like Instagram and things like that, you're just seeing a lot more diversity. And honestly, like I would just say, kind of keep up with that because you know the the face of who plays guitar is shifting you know it's it's been changing and honestly I feel like these are people who have always played but we're just now getting some type of recognition Mm -hmm. and it's refreshing so I would just I just recommend that people just kind of keep following that route you know to see who is actually playing and who is actually buying and just show those people you know like in your ads or in your videos or you know, even if it's printed or if it's in an email or something. Like
0: but but I don't know a woman. I don't know a person of color. How would I ever do that?
1: I've never met a black woman.
0: <laughs> where? <laughs> How does this work? What would you tell somebody who said that? Because I feel like there's an interesting piece of this where it's like, the bigger companies like they have somebody who like works mm-hmm. they run all their social media mm-hmm. or they might have a crew of people that run their social media a crew that runs their marketing if, you, if it was like a smaller company that had like 10 employees I mean, what would that look like do you think like even with
1: that so even if something as simple as like just scrolling through I guess like Instagram or I Mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm old and i'm showing my age now but like a tiktok if they're on there yeah, yeah. i mean there are plenty at least to my knowledge like i'm not on tiktok but like my friends mm-hmm. are constantly sending me videos from there and there are a lot yeah. of like younger people like teenagers um, and just people like young adults people in their early you know their late teens early 20s who yeah. are doing things like playing you know guitar piano bass singing playing ukulele literally just doing any and everything musical in order to not become a dinosaur, <laughs> I think it's important <laughs> that these companies really pay attention to what it is that uh, younger folks are interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, but even just having things that are reasonably priced. So again, mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like I'm just like a like a fanboy over Fender, but like, you know, for a company to be as large as they are and having affordable options, you know, like what their line of Squire yeah. guitars like you know mm-hmm. for someone who's 16 to like maybe 18 years old and they have a summer job and they have, you know, $500, that's perfect. Yeah. So honestly, I would just kind of stick with those trends and see what younger people are interested in and what they can afford. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, no, I think that's it's
1: the biggest thing.
0: Smart advice. So so as you all are kind of like growing, um you've talked a little bit about some of the directions that you're going on is going in, is there anything in particular that you're like psyched about? coming coming up that you want to share with folks.
1: I mean, it's not really anything that we haven't done before. We've got more interviews lined up, so that's pretty exciting yeah. talking to like local, you know, bands and artists, uh just people that are quote-unquote in the scene, you know, like the music scene down here. Mm-hmm. Um just more demos and, you know, we have been receiving um some new products from companies cool. to review, so that's that's really exciting. So, I mean, that's in the works and honestly that's Probably the part that's most exciting to me is just like, you know, these, these companies just been like, Hey, we like what you do. Try our stuff. And we're just like, okay, yes, yes. please and Thank you. <laughs> yes, we will. Thank you. <laughs> <Right>?
0: <laughs> yes. Cool. So obviously people should follow you on YouTube if they haven't already done so, mm-hmm. uh, or subscribe, I guess is the language that one would use for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but and i'll have all the links for that in the show notes um is there any other space that folks should connect with you all like where would you direct them
1: uh yeah so obviously we've got the youtube channel uh working class music outside of that we have a twitter that's pretty non-existent so we'll ignore that (laughs) but we do have an instagram so wcm show is the handle so again that just stands for working class music show on Instagram. If you have questions or recommendations, we are open to any and everything. Um, just please give us a minute because we've got a lot. <laughs> lined up. <laughs> so if you recommend we, you know, review a, a, you know, a line six helix, we might not get to that till November, but <laughs> it'll, it'll come eventually. Nice. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
0: Fabulous. Okay, cool. So thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a fabulous rest of your day.
1: Thank you for having me. Tia
0: is so rad. I'm so glad I got a chance to talk with her a little bit more, connect in this conversation. And obviously, you should probably go subscribe to Working Class Music on YouTube. Follow them on Instagram. All of that biz links and show notes for all of that. Check it out. I promise you will enjoy it. It will be the best. Do it now. All right. As I record this, today is one year since Blackout Tuesday. It is also the beginning of Pride Month. So much happening. A lot of companies want to do something, but they don't know what to do. So they post on social media, and this is really what happened last year, but it's been happening here and there over the last couple of years, I would say. And I'm not talking about those who are really like purposefully trying to like capitalize on this, like making whatever merch related to something so they can make money on it. Not that. Uh, (laughs) There's so many examples. That's just one. But not that. People who really want to do well but just are kind of like starting to speak up but haven't done it in the past. In some cases, they start to get pushback when it becomes clear that their actions don't necessarily back up their words or when it appears that they're only posting as some sort of a trend and it's not year-round, like this is sort of coming out of nowhere. They also get pushback from customers, partners, or employees if this seems like something new or if they haven't explicitly stated their values in the past, and then they learn that their values don't align, and that's when people come into the comment section and they're like... I'm never buying a pedal from you social justice warriors again, and you don't want those people anyway. So don't worry about them. (laughs) And you'll get a bunch of other new, better people following you. Good news. (laughs) Anyway, over the last few years, companies who once thought they could remain neutral so as not to upset their customers like that, they learned that they can't, right? They're, they learn that silence really does equal violence. It is a real thing. If you are quiet, you are causing harm. And companies also have power. They can choose to use that power for good or to continue to benefit from the privileges afforded to them by a racist, cisheterosexist, capitalist system that probably means that they are able to have a company and other people maybe are less likely to have a company, for example. Uh, In my experience, most folks in the industry want to do good, as I was saying, right? Like, but due to this privilege, they haven't been forced to deal with these issues head on in the past. Like, this is new for most folks. Most small companies have low capacity, right? Like, everyone is doing 10,000 jobs at one time, and they're just, like, running around with their heads cut off, and because of that... And because they don't have to think about it, they have not prioritized these conversations over growth. It just hasn't been part of the conversation. And now they're sort of like learning on the job around this, this topic. And this leads to trepidation. It leads to fear of making mistakes, right? And I totally get that. I am a white, educated, cisgender woman, and I definitely do not have all the answers at all. Uh, and I have made just so many mistakes myself, and that is I've, most of the things that I'm talking about now are are the result of me learning about this stuff. And, you know, it doesn't excuse it, but fear can't paralyze us either, right? Like, you know, we have to take the time to talk to folks, to educate ourselves and emplo- our employees in these cases, and that's a great start, but, you know, ultimately Uh, company-wide change, policy change, industry, systems change, all of that is needed as well in order for something to really happen. So with that, here is a quick audit for folks to check in with themselves and make sure that their posts are backed up by real action and not just like platitudes. All right. So number one, have you donated money or raffle items in support of Black and LGBTQ-led causes? Two, have you posted anything on this or related social justice issues outside of Black History Month or Pride? Three, what does representation look like on your social media and marketing? Do you feature Black and queer folks? Go to your website. Check your artist roster. Do you actually support Black and LGBTQ artists or no? Check your staff page. Do you actually hire Black and LGBTQ people? Six, Do your company values show that you care about racial justice, gender justice, and LGBTQ plus issues? Seven, look at your job listings. Do they include a salary? Do you list the salary? Flex time, good benefits, including healthcare, professional development, a statement about your commitment to anti-oppression work, and not just an EEOC policy, because that's not enough. And does your workplace culture support Black and LGBTQ folks? If you hire them, how long do they stay for? Something to think about. Nine, do you partner with Black and LGBTQ companies? Do you work with partners who share your values? And do you educate those who maybe aren't so far along as you are in this process? Because that's important too. Ten, have you advocated for change in your community and in the industry as a whole? Right? So all across the board here. So I hope this tool can provide for you a quick assessment uh, to kind of help move from those platitudes to actual action, right? So, and this is nowhere near everything. This is just a very quick checklist to check in with yourself. But I hope at the very least, it's sort of like a kick in the pants if you need it to sort of urge folks to come up with real plans and to begin enacting them in some way. All right, if you have any questions on this or anything else, Please reach out and if you have enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or share with others so more folks can hear about it. Thank you so much for
2: listening.